Welcome to episode 67 of the Permaculture Pimpcast, the only Pimpcast on planet Earth where we discuss permaculture, preparedness, and practical living. How you doing, son? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good, man. This episode brought to y'all by Hickory Ridge Soap from TwoOldCrows.com. Turn that simp into a pimp. Bam! Get 20% off for the month of February. With promo code PIMPCAST20. Also brought to you by EMP Shield. 50 bucks off. Check out that new, I'm telling y'all, that new EMP micro is the shiz knit. And get 50 bucks off with promo code PERMA. Don't forget about Harvest Right Freeze Dryers. We got them listed in the description box. You can also tip a, tip a pimp on the Fountain app. Listen to all your apps over there, or not apps, but your Podcast. programs, your podcasts. It's been a long day, y'all. It's been a long week. It's been a long weekend all the way around. All right, y'all. So we're going to jump straight into the tip of the day. And this is going to seem a little bit weird, but William will tell you all about it. Yeah. Beware of wires in your field. And son, why don't you tell him the reasons why? So the other day, what was it? I think Saturday and Friday and Saturday, Coco wouldn't come up to his little shelter, his little uh, like makeshift shelter that we made for him. He just would, he stayed down at the bottom of the hill and just refused to come up. And uh, like at like the next day after a day of him doing that, it just seemed odd. So I went down there to check on him. And I noticed that the chicken wire was like going across his field. Now it's been going across his field for the past, I don't know, like most of the winter. And he hasn't really noticed or cared. Not most of the winter, but at least the past month. Well, the chicken wire, you mean the hot wire that yeah. goes to the chickens. For, so it leaves it's it's like part a of little, our tethering system. Yeah. So it goes, it's just a hot wire laying on the ground. It's insulated. Um, so I think what happened is that he was munching on some grass, bit the wire, and then became scared of it. And he refused to cross it. So I had to pull the wire out so he could get across. And, yeah, he was mooing and all happy and whatnot. Well, for two days, he was sitting down there. And I'm thinking, man, what is going on? He's sleeping yeah. down there. He's not moving. Okay, what's happening? I'm glad you figured that out some. But, yeah, so when you have your animals um, accustomed to hot wire, you have to be careful <laughs> I mean, I honestly didn't see, I mean, normally it's just something he would just move right over or whatever, but that just happened to be something we overlooked. I mean, I couldn't figure it out. He's been, he's been fine with it for, I don't even know how long yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's not something he would disturb, but I think you're right. I think maybe he got, you know, he bit into it. I'm glad you figured it out because he didn't drink water for two days and you know, maybe he got enough through the grass. I don't know, but. Yeah, I'm glad to see he's back in the saddle. So there's your tip of the day, y'all. Yeah. So yeah, maybe not let that little accident happen to you. All right, check it out. We're going to get straight into the farm news. And um, well, son, it was an interesting, fun weekend. Um, I never had so much fun, you know, taking life. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, usually that's not a fun thing for me. I mean, it's, you know, I I can usually turn my brain off to get the job done, but you know, when you got somebody, okay, so we were basically out at the Modern Yeoman's place, Sean, the Modern Yeoman. Go check him out on YouTube. Good guy, you know, really, really good guy. And uh, the, he invited a bunch of us over. I had made a deal with him a while back that we would go out there and take care of his uh, his processing for his pigs. Right. 
he was initially going to come out here and in exchange for some work that he was going to do for us, we were basically going to give him a pig. So he's like, okay, I got pigs of my own. He's got them raised up. Everything's ready to rock and roll. And, you know, obviously he was a little bit nervous about it. And who wouldn't be the first time out? I definitely was. Yeah, I mean, everybody is, you know. And, you know, he basically brought, made it, turned it, it, he turned it into a party with a purpose. So he got David the Good there, which you and I had met before. And, man, he is always (laughs) a riot. And then when you put his brother there, (laughs) oh, my goodness, Brian, Brian and David. I'm telling you what, you could just drop them off somewhere, and I don't care who the, who's around them, you're going to be laughing. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine them, like, taking a Greyhound bus across the United States? Like, Man, everybody on that bus is going to be dying They laughing. would be cracking up, and they don't even, it's not even like they're trying to be funny half the time. It's just part of their natural personality. Now, David I'd met before, and I, I remember when you and I met him before, um, we walked away thoroughly impressed. I yeah. mean, his intellect, his, uh, his knowledge... His clever wit. And then when you put his brother in there with him, man, we are, I mean, when we sat down to eat these tamales, man, we were just sitting over there dying. I mean, the whole. Those tamales were off the hook, though. Yeah. Yeah. They were fan. You know, hey, take note, fellas out there or people that make tamales. You know, okay, let's say you get a beef tamale. Yeah. You get a tiny strip of microscopic meat in most tamales. (laughs) A shred. Yeah, man, they had these tamales looking like burritos. Yeah. Hey, we're not getting tamales to eat masa. No. The masa is just there to hold the other stuff in. Yeah, well, I got to say, man, these people know they're tamales, man. They, I don't know all the different flavors they had, but I ate them all. Sean was like, dude, you actually ate all of them? I'm like, every single one of them, dude. And plus, we were starving by that time. I mean, I hadn't eaten nothing, had, hadn't eaten nothing the whole time and then turned back around Sat down, ate those tamales, but I'm telling you what, it was a good time. Sang was there. Um, from Growing a Little Country. Sang was there. Uh, David the Good was there. Brian from Flannel Farms. Oh, yeah. Full uh, Send Daily was there. Yeah. Send, not sin. Like yeah, that thought I didn't the video. know what he was saying. I was like, what <laughs> on earth? And then, of course, let's not forget Nate Kramer, who seems yep. to always get screwed over in these things, man. Nate is always, I mean, he is probably one of the most helpful people you'll ever meet in your life. Yep. He never complains, and he's always doing jobs that other people don't want to do, and it hasn't gone unnoticed. I mean, Nate is always that guy, man. You, you He's not getting screwed over. No, he, he's not, but he's never, he's always, he, he reminds me a lot of me, where whenever there's an uncomfortable task, I'm usually the first one to volunteer for it because I'm leading by example. Nate, I don't care if it was doing his pigs or anybody else, man. He's always doing the uncomfortable work, typically, that most people don't want to do. Yeah. I need to tell him that because I I did notice that. And it tells you an awful lot about his character, too. I mean, Katie was back there doing her thing as well. And, um, yeah, I noticed how David's like, yeah, we need to do this again down. We need to do this again (laughs) down in Alabama. Yeah, but man, it's always, I mean, it's always a joy to hang out with those guys, man. Just just a real, real fun time. All right, so uh, mom was down there in the greenhouse today, as far as the farm news goes. She was... Um, she was planting some seeds. Yeah, man, she was all over it today. Um, well, man, it's crazy, man, because this weather is fantastic right now. One, one, I guess, a sneak peek you're getting on the pimp cast is that uh, mom and I were discussing experimenting with the high tunnel of getting like, because it's a little bit warmer in the high tunnel. We're thinking about getting our um, 
like white clover and red clover and all that stuff planted ready for the bees because the bees have been out lately and i think they're getting a little irritated that there's nothing to eat right now so we're well, gonna keep got, the doors open well yeah but there's nothing to forge they want some fresh stuff dad yeah but you know we're not down for putting out the sugar water or anything like that we want to build like everything else we want things highly resilient so you know the, sometimes you're going to have hives that ain't going to make it oh and, yeah you know some usually you do and so we're we're keeping the ones that do and we're not going to baby the ones that don't. I mean, that's pretty much, it goes with pretty much everything. If you do that with your animal systems, you do that with anything on the homestead, you're going to wind up with a petting zoo before you know it. And even with your plants, I mean, we, even with our trees and stuff, you know, we stick them in, we do, you know, we provide mulch, we give them a little bit of what they need, but there's not going to be, if, if you're not going to make it, like Mark Shepard says, I mean, who needs you? Yeah. You know, if I, I shouldn't have to baby anything on the farm and I'm talking from the animal systems all the way through. We want things that are robust, resilient, and that's how we try to build a farm. And that's what we teach. Yep. More yep. farm news. We're doing, um, we're going to be putting the pimp cast on YouTube soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you guys can watch us and we can display some of the things y'all have sent us. Well, it's actually kind of a beta test right now. We got lights in yeah. here. I know you guys can't see it right now, but we got a sign to put on the wall. We got some, we got a couple of technical glitches we're trying to work through. And when I say we, I'm talking William. Um, so I'll this, be practicing editing this kind of lining up the video with the audio and stuff like that. I'll be practicing on this one. Actually, this one won't get uploaded, but, uh, well, yeah. the, the downside to that is, is that now our gap band music, we're not going to be able to use. Yeah. So the downside is that we can't use copywritten music anymore because we could potentially get in trouble for using copywritten music to sell product. Like, for example, like our sponsors, we have sponsors on here like Hickory Ridge Soap, EMP Shield, stuff like that. Uh, even our own products we could potentially get in trouble for. So better not risk it. Like we can use Joel's music and stuff like that. Um, yeah. We've been given permission. Uh, we also have like royalty free music we can use. But well, yeah, I would rather we'll, out. we'll see if we could put together some kind of montage. I mean, yeah. You know, we're kind of going into the big leagues now with this thing. And, uh, you know, we're going to be reaching out more as often as we can doing outside interviews. Now, that one we did with Joel and Mount Graham, um, you know, we're going to – the interviews we're going to do, y'all, I want to make sure I point this out. Not every single time am I going to agree with every single thing one of our guests says. But it's really not the format to have a debate unless they come in here – I'm not going to ambush anybody. It's not really the format to have a debate. There are going to be things that get said that maybe I agree or some things I don't. But with, as a person with natural curiosity, I at least want to hear these points of view. And I'm going to trust everybody out there to use your own judgment, guidance. I'm not going to tell you what to think. And you decide whether or not it's something you believe or how much of it you want to believe or whether you cut and paste. That's part of what we're going to talk about today in, in terms of dogma. Um also, well, also, if you if you stop and debate on like the beginning aspect of whatever he's saying, um, then you don't hear the rest of the argument. Right. The rest of the argument might make sense. And you guys just d disagree on the beginning part. Right. But I at least as a thinker, I want to be able to hear any argument. And like I said last time, without necessarily agreeing or disagreeing with it, I at least want to hear the point of view. And I, I and I suspect I mean, folks, you know, tell me what you think out there. But that's pretty much the way I see it. I have at least a certain amount of judgment where I can say, okay, this makes sense to me. This doesn't, for example, coming up real soon, I interviewed Christopher key the other day of vaccinepolice.com. I think everybody in America should hear what he has to say. Yeah. Um, and you guys can hear it Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> this well, that, Wednesday. Yeah. This Wednesday, um, we're going to have it on there 
And we're going to try to do that once a week. And it's going to be what the format of the show is going to be such that whenever I've kind of made up in my mind that if it's going to be health things or vitamins or anything like of that nature, I'm not even going to seek a sponsorship, even though, you know, these people would be glad to do it. Oh yeah. With our numbers. And that's because I don't want anybody thinking for a moment that I'm out here peddling something or, you know, I'm telling you what I take and I don't want any money for it. I don't want any, I don't want anybody thinking that I'm out here telling you, Hey, go take this. Um, because I get some sort of kickback because I get absolutely nothing and I don't want anything. for I, it. Yeah. I don't know why, but it feels different when it comes to like vitamins and supplements and stuff like that. Yeah, it does. It, I don't, it just seems like, like this, that's how important it is to us for you to start taking this stuff. Well, or at least to consider whether or not you want to take it because right, right now, you know, I wanted to get somebody on here because we've talked so much about this, um, this deer antler velvet and what it did for me and what it's doing for you. I wish you were in on the interview now. Cause I didn't know you had all the, um, the, the recovery and everything else that you were getting out of that deer antler velvet. Yeah. I should be dying y'all. Like I'm doing an indoor workout. I'm doing an outdoor workout every day and this out the indoor workout plan that i have like the lifting program i have you're supposed to take a day break in between each workout and i can't in this in this program so i mean i should literally not be able to move but it's it's working i'm recovering well see that's why and there's other things in here too i want to interview i've talked about the cardio miracle i want to get that person from whoever owns that place i don't know the guy i want to get them in here and talk about um, you know what that's done, but I just don't feel good about making any sort of profit. Even though I, even though I know this stuff works for me, I don't want anybody thinking, okay, well, I don't know if I want to buy this thing because he might be making a profit on it. That's just simply not going to happen. Like you said, in terms of health, these are things that I, I want to make as open source and at least make people aware of some of the solutions that may be out there. And Christopher actually comes in, I'll tell you what, most of what he says on that show is mostly free, especially yeah. what he said in the beginning and what he said at the end, the thing in the middle. And the only reason I think he even brought that up is because I was telling him what it did for me. Yeah. And so, you know, outside of that, this is mostly free stuff. Well, here's, here's one way I could see us potentially offering or getting a sponsorship with those vitamin supplements and stuff like that is if we can give like our listeners a, a discount code. Possibly. Somehow. Like, that's the only way I could see them, unless they just want to give us a discount code. That yeah, works. At, at the end of the day, if they want to do a discount code, I just don't feel good about profiting on something like that, especially in these times. If they want to give everybody, like, you know, Hickory Ridge soap, we don't get anything for that. No. It's like, you get 20% off, y'all. Yeah. I mean, these are wonderful people doing wonderful stuff. You know what we do get out of it? We do get out of it. We, we get a responsible, reliable business, another one yeah. in this in this homesteading community. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic product that I use. Yeah, I and use it too. <laughs> Which we one think, are you using? I'm using Purely Simple right now. Well, I'm still, I mean, you know what I'm rolling with, man. <laughs> you know this sexy beast, man. Is there anything else? There's a sharp dressed man. Well, we've been hit up by a number of others asking us to, uh, you know, market their products, but I'm not going to, there are certain things I don't use, certain products and brands that I'm already happy with that I don't, that's the thing. I, I have a lot of brand loyalty, but when it came to soap, I'd always spend all this money, man, to get some decent soap. Well, I'm not, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm doing it through Hickory Ridge soap. And I know these, 
I know that Shelly, who makes it, is doing top quality stuff. And oh, it's, a, yeah. it's a soap that I actually like. I get out of the shower feeling clean. And improving on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you got to love that. So, yeah. twenty. Don't forget, y'all. 20% off with PimpCast20. Um, hey, look. Look, y'all, we are very, 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 very busy. I know a lot of, I know everybody is to a certain extent or another. I'm intentionally busy right now. <laughs> well, we're all very busy right now and up to our eyeballs in so many things. So be patient with us when you send out an email. Believe me, I read them all. I may not be able to respond, especially if I'm going to talk about them here in the PimpCast. So don't be upset if you don't get a response. I just have to. Be very, very efficient. And I'm going to also ask if you reach out, folks, please try to be brief because I I can't spend 10 minutes reading an email and then, you know, have you be upset because I gave you a three-sentence response because, honestly, with all the emails and everything we get, I can't possibly get all to all to all of them and respond at great length. I have to be as brief and as concise and elegant as I possibly can when I respond. Well, we're going to actually have a email specifically for the pimp cast uh, here soon. Yeah. So it's going to be like an email specifically for the pimp cast. So if you email one of the other accounts about the pimp cast, you did it wrong. <laughs> you got to email the pimp cast here soon. All right. Another email I'm going to deal with. Okay. All right. Well, I can... <laughs> that's, it's supposed to be help uh, filter and sort what's what. Well, that would be helpful. Because yeah. like the emails I get, like 70% of them are like marketers that are trying to get us to hire their services and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people peddling their stuff. I mean, I got to be honest with y'all. There's a lot of things we turn down. And so when we do tell you about something here, it's because I do use EMP Shield. It's because I do use Harvest Right Freeze Dryer. And I definitely every single day use Hickory Ridge Soap. So, hey, speaking of things you can use, how about things you can learn? Because coming up real soon on Saturday, March 4th in Greer, South Carolina, the farm where you live, folks, friends of mine, they're going to be... They're going to have the Holler Homestead out there, Ben and Meg. They're going to be doing some pig processing. We're going to be helping out to some. I mean, we're backup dancers. I'm basically going to be doing whatever Ben tells me to. And uh, I believe Nate Kramer is going to be there from the Kramer Life. What are the dates again? It's going to be uh, Saturday, March 4th. Cool. And um, look, they got they got some seats open. Everybody in the great grandmother's asking, when are you going to do another butchery class? Well, I'm telling you what, you're going to learn as much from Ben as you're, you're ever going to learn from me. And I'll be there assisting and helping out in any way I possibly can. Um, are you going to be there, son? March 4th? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we'll, I guess we'll both be there. And like I said, we are definitely, we're the backup dancers on this. Ben and Meg are going to be in charge of pretty much everything. And I'm just going to kind of be, I'm going to be the assistant, you know, whatever. But hey, you want to go there, check it out, y'all. Um, let me see. There, the, Yeah, the promo code is PIMP. You can save a few bucks on that. And I think it's fifteen percent off. I think that's what. Oh, it yeah, is. I think it is fifteen percent off. Well, they they got they got a few more slots open. But hey, if you don't want to do that, well, first of all, that's going to be the best way to go about it. But if you're also looking for a processing class on, and you got to do it, let's say you're across the country, you can't make it. Well, the next best thing is going to be our online version, which I believe we're going it's to have link- down below. It's, it's- yeah, it's it's linked in every episode. Um, but the cool thing about the online version is you can take the class with you. <laughs> Well, like the class isn't over after you leave. Well, that's, the, you know, that's the beauty of it is because when I teach it in person, um, it's exactly the same thing that I did online. I didn't go into any of the high fancy charcuterie stuff like that. We're going to be adding stuff to it all the time. But the point of it being is 
you really like Brian from Flannel Farms, which I want to get on the podcast before too long. It's like you know he's done ten pigs now on his own farm. Yeah, and I, a while back, and since I, uh, March. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. So year. he's done yeah. well in a year. Yeah, I mean. in a year he's done ten pigs. Well, the beauty about doing that, and the same with Nate Kramer, he's done a lot of different pigs in a lot of different areas. Same with Ben Holler. The cool thing is, is instead of just getting that training one time a year when you're going to process your pigs, mm-hmm. okay, well, think about it. If it's one time a year, then he's got 10 years of experience in a year. Yeah. If you stop to think about that. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what we need, and that's exactly what I want to try to get. I need to, Brian, you're going to be on the show if you're listening. You just don't know yet. <laughs> just got to work it out. All right, y'all. So we're going to move on into the homesteading pastor, homesteading pastor, Pastor Lon. Hello, everyone. Pastor Lon here, the homesteading pastor. Got a verse of scripture I want to share with you today. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. There are a lot of people in this world today that claim to be a Christian. But we know that the Bible says you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. And every person that stands behind a pulpit or every person that attends a church not guaranteed to make heaven their home. Only those that have been washed by the blood and are doing his will. Remember this. There's a lot of people putting on a show out there today. But it's not how high we jump for Jesus that matters. But rather how straight we walk when we land. Right on. Homesteading Pastor. Go check him out on YouTube and Instagram. You know, that reminded me of that episode Tony came out with today from the confessionals, the one that uh, reloaded episode with the uh, the ex-satanic high priest. Yeah. And just the tactics that they would use to dismantle churches and stuff Man, like that. Man, that was absolutely riveting. And boy, that was that's not a thing I could listen to for a second time. Now, think of how many churches you've known that have collapsed Especially think, okay. And through those scandals in, that he cited in Texas, where we lived. Yeah. How many churches fell because of, I think because of that, for those same exact reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's extraordinary, but yeah. definitely, you know, y'all, you got to keep a tight lock on everything these days, your mind, definitely your kids and what they're exposed to. I mean, every single thing out there is trying to corrupt them and uh, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work harder than you ever did. There ain't no getting around that. All right into the bad news, good news section. Well, son, I guess you can call this bad news because it looks like the aliens are coming out to suck everybody's brains out. Oh, hang on. They already done did that. Yeah, so we got yeah. we got aliens. So what do you think of this alien story that's out there? I think, I think it's just a distraction. Or, well, they might be trying to... I, I, I didn't come up with this. I don't know who did, though. I can't remember who gets the credit for this, but it, it could be like the uh, Project Bluebeam. Um, Absolutely. Thing. Okay, so y'all, I'm, I'm not going to go too esoteric on this, but Dr. Carol Rosen was basically the, the right-hand person to Werner von Braun. And on his deathbed, and this she came out with this years ago, and she said, von Braun said, look, okay, first we're going to have the rogue nation threat. Then we're going to have this threat. Then we're going to have that threat. And then when all else fails, when they can't pull another rabbit out of the hat, guess what? They're going to come out with an alien threat and it's all bunk. What, if they, gonna, bl- what if they blame the earthquake on aliens? Well, okay. So that brings me into something then. Okay. So I'm not buying this whole alien thing. And in fact, my opinion, just like somebody wrote to me on, um, I can't remember his name, but he, he wrote to me on um, 
It was in response to Joel's appearance on the show a little while back. Um, he wrote to me and he said, you know, a lot of these things are fallen angels. Well, I tend to agree with the L.A. Marzulli point of view on a lot of this stuff concerning these uh, aliens. I mean, I think a lot of them it could be any number of things. But here's what, here's what gets me. Is that what are we not talking about? Because it wasn't long after this that all of a sudden the bubble thing came out. We had that Project Veritas uh, story come out where we have this guy, basically a Pfizer exec, basically showing the full extent of his satanic behavior and everybody else at Pfizer. Okay, yeah. not talking about that. The economy is on the brink. Um, just listen to another podcast from earlier today from um, Seth Holhouse at Man in America podcast. And they're talking about the economy and how dreadful this thing is. Oh, what about the real big thing out there? Oh, this pipeline thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That basically the whole world knows we did it. Seymour Hirsch. I mean, this could have been contrived also. I'm not, I, I got a different view on this thing than I once did. But I'm saying all this stuff is happening all at the same time. These are bombshell things that we should be talking about, but everybody was first talking about some idiotic balloon. Okay, we can't shoot down a balloon, but you're going to tell me we we shoot down spacecraft that can move faster than light to get here? Yeah, yeah. First of all, if there's aliens showing up, we don't have the ability to shoot them down. That's Just my the point. fact that they made it. Here. Yeah, the fact that you showed up <laughs> and you're going to tell me, oh, you just shot this thing down. These guys are Buck Rogers, and you're going to tell me they used a sidewinder to take this thing down? And then today in the latest uh, press conference, one of the prostitutes was asking somebody at the White House, and they were like, okay, they're basically walking back this whole alien thing, but they got it into the zeitgeist. Yep, That's the important thing. And now I'll think of all the bombshell stories that just came over that we aren't talking about right now because either people are worried about Chinese balloons I mean, it stretches credulity in every single way imaginable. But you're gonna you're gonna tell me we we're, we're debating. Uh, supposedly, we can't shoot this thing down, but spaceships that our own guys and, and gals that fly these fighter aircraft. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like I was saying. I mean, this is everything is backwards. Look, I didn't just step out of the cotton field, y'all. Ain't no way I'm believing anything. Now, are they going to pull a Project Blue Beam? I think most certainly they will. Yeah. But I ain't buying this. All right. So we need some good news, right? Would you like to hear some good news, son? Well, that could also be the good news. Well, you know, actually, to a certain extent, it kind of is. But I'm going to get to another thing. It's almost on the heels of that after my next good news, after this first good news story. Well, we got the uh, pistol brace um, thing going on. Basically two dozen States are suing the Biden administration over this pistol brace rule. Basically, you know, they're okay. Just overnight, everybody just became a felon. If you have this pistol brace, which is absolutely positively absurd. I consider that good news because it's showing to some extent. Now, what is it? Two dozen States are pushing back. Okay. That's nearly half. And I'm thinking, okay, at what point, I've been asking myself, at what point do people start to push back and say, I've had enough? I mean, I thought, okay, when they start, okay, it ain't bad enough that they're now putting this mRNA jab in the checks, in the uh, vaccine schedule of all the kids out there. Yeah. Like, that ain't bad enough. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, when they start messing with people's kids, maybe they'll push back, and I'm going to have to keep going back and saying that 
Honestly, it's going to take starvation to wake up the United States of amnesia. I saw this funny meme today about the pistol brace, and it was this guy. He's out in the field shooting and stuff, and then this ATF agent walks up and asks, like, is that a pistol brace? He, like, yells from a distance. He's like, is that a pistol brace? And the guy is shooting yells back, is that level four armor? <laughs> and the ATF agent is like, oh, we need to go. Let's go. <laughs> well, the point of it being is that, you know, <laughs> you're wondering at what point are the, is the American public going to wake up? Honestly, man, I this is supposed to be an upbeat kind of show. They always are, to at least to some extent or another. But man, I'm really wondering at what point does the American public say, okay, I've had enough. You're taxing me too much. I'm being robbed every time I turn around. Um, you know, I, it's now, I can't even think what I want to think. A man is not a man. A woman isn't a woman anymore. And most of us don't even know what planet we're on. And we don't know where it stops. But finally, you start talking about somebody's gun and now they're saying, okay, now let's do something. <laughs> is that what it takes? All right, another good news story. And it, First, it may not seem like it. Okay, here's why it's a good news story. I'll just read the headline. NORAD gives notice of air defense exercise around Washington, D.C., set for Tuesday. Okay, now that's tomorrow. Yeah. Today is Monday. <laughs> now, here's why, it's a, here's why I think there, there are a fair number of people waking up, and here's why I think so. All right. So any other time, you could put out a story like this, and everybody would collectively yawn. But overwhelmingly, I'm hearing and seeing people say, uh-oh, hang on, false flag, false flag, false flag. And the reason why they're yep. doing it, they're saying, okay, every single time you see a drill go on, I don't care if it was 9-11, I don't care if it was the uh, bombing that happened in um, in London. Or the one that happened during the Boston Marathon. Boston, yep. Every single time there's some calamity, and I put that in quotes, every single time one of those things happens, What's going to happen at the same exact time? Nine times out of 10, there's a drill that just happened to be going at the same time. Yep. And there's a reason for that. Uh, I remember Webster Griffin Tarpley. We might even have the book downstairs. And if you look at all the, quote, drills that just happened to be going on when 9-11 happened, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. I, I can't even tell you. So it was. it's to the point, the reason these drills go on at the same time is so there is plausible deniability if anything goes wrong with the with the plan. So they can always say, well, that was a drill and there was miscommunication, whatever the case may be. This happens over and over and over when it comes to these things. But what I think, the reason why I'm going to call that a good news article, son, first and foremost, has to do with the fact that when people heard about that, the collective, and you would have never heard this even five years ago, People are saying, okay, watch out for false flag. We got a drill going on. That's never, you and know. And now, y'all, if we don't have a podcast uh, Thursday, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this thing went live. Yeah, when we get back, we're going to get into it, y'all. All right, some of that Van Tesla. It's our buddy Joel, the same guy that was on last week. Yep. Uh, he wears a lot of different hats. All right. 
Well, that's one of the cool things I like about him. And uh, we're probably going to have to use, we're going to be using um, as best we can some people who have music out there that maybe you haven't heard on the radio that we might have to use for the YouTube version of this show. Right. So, yeah, no more Gap Band in the future, y'all, unless we can find some rabbit to pull out of the hat. All right, y'all. Maybe they'll let. Maybe they'll give a pass to the pimp cast. Yeah. You think so? You think Charlie Wilson will let that? Actually, he doesn't own the music anyway. Yeah, it's probably not <laughs> his anyway, dude. Yeah, Charlie Wilson back in those days, man, probably was not of sound mind and body. <laughs> All right, y'all, we're going to get into it straight up. Um, I want to know if I, it, there's a couple of reasons I'm bringing this up, and I wanted to talk about this for a while, and I want to ask you, is dogma the cause of your problems? Here's what I mean by it. Okay, dogma. You know, there's several definitions on that, but largely the version of it I'm I'm going to go with is basically a belief, you know, a long-held belief. And, you know, a lot of times it's it overlays with, let's say, a church belief or anything like that. But no, it also applies. It's a belief that isn't necessarily substantiated. You just buy it. You right. know, it's just generally accepted. In other words, it could even be looked at as a an appeal to tradition. Let's say that's just another way of saying dogma, which is a logical fallacy. It really is. It is a logical fallacy, a fallacious argument. It's like the person who says, well, uh, well, why do you do that? And man, one of my pet peeves of all time is when somebody, their reasoning for doing something. And I quote is, well, that's the way it's always been done. Yeah. As if that's an adequate reason, because it's telling me at the same time, if you ask somebody now, Granted, that might be a legitimate reason. Well, this is the way grandpa taught me, or this is the way grandpa... I think one of the only times that that statement makes sense is whenever you say, that's the way it's always been done in nature. (laughs) Well, That's that's the only time that statement makes sense, or is a good argument. (laughs) Son, that's profound. It really is. Um, Because there are no contradictions in nature. Yeah. There are none. Not unless it's, you know, there's some intervention on the side of humankind. But what do we mean by that? I mean... For example, there's a whole lot of people. One of the things that just jumps out at me, and I've used this example. I can't even find it. I don't. Last time I looked, I couldn't find it. But I know this video was once out there. There were a group of farmers, and I think we talked about it in previous episodes, where they were roped into trying Greg Judy's way of grazing. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them. I want to say there was uh, three or four of them in this video. Every single one of them tried it, and it worked for every single one of them. And in every single case, they went back to their old way of doing things. Even though it was destroying their pastures, they went back to doing it the old way because it was the way granddad did it. Yep. Or it Even was too the, hard. Or Well, that was also part of it, too. That was Well, it was actually a twofold thing. One was, well, this is the way it's always been done, and this is the way grandpa did it. And then when you finally roped them in and said, okay, what is it? And at the end of the day, they hated the fact that they had to go out there and move their cows once a day. Well, also keep in mind, grandpa and great grandpa and great great grandpa were all piggybacking off what the bison did for hundreds of years. Like well, they're all piggybacking off that, like in America at least. Well, no, they're let, all piggybacking off that topsoil buildup and that that forage production. Well, okay, I see where you're going with that. But then after World War II, all of a sudden we realize, and the, the history is deep on this. It's not hard to find. After World War II. All of a sudden, they had all these munitions they had to do something with. And so, guess what? That's where the petrochemicals come into farming and everything else. And, hey, just throw this stuff out there. You get a great crop. Well, 
Elaine Ingham has proved over and over and over again that this has been one of the worst things that's ever happened to us. Yeah. And it's because of this dogma that people think, okay, I'm going to go buy a bunch of cows. I'll just stick them out here. I'll never move them. And then when, you know, the cold weather rolls around, I'll give them hay. Okay. Does that make a, does that seem like a good way of doing anything? No. So what examples can you provide? Well, I mean, with the farming, especially, especially with the grazing, I think that's where it's most evident, but, uh, especially with the gardening, like especially gardening with, I think older ladies, um, they really seem to be dogmatic in their ways as far as like they do the same gardening every single year and they don't change it up at all. That's, that's what I've seen at least. Um, well, you see it also where everybody has their pet way of doing, let's say composting. Oh yeah, definitely composting, which I mean, here soon we might have to change our views on, on composting, which actually had to fight some sort of, uh, like dogmatic views within myself because I learned compost from the greatest, you know, permaculture designer on earth. And it's still, yes, you learned it from the very best there is, but at the same time, there are other methods because honestly, some of the things I'm learning in some of this, uh, in some of these courses we're taking flies right in the face of everything I thought I knew. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really sitting does. here fighting. And this is why I wanted to do this show is because I'm fighting within myself. Like, okay, I know these methods work because we do them yep. and they do work. Yeah. They work. Absolutely. But then we're finding out through what we're learning is that it's not just taking it. it it's realizing that the whole paradigm in your life has changed. I understand yeah. this kickback where let's say you're, you know, let's say you were a World War II vet. You knew the world is what it was then, and then it gravitated on what it is, and you just don't know where you are. You don't know what planet you are, you're on anymore. Well, to a certain extent, when you've done something for so long and it's worked so well for you, the notion to want to change, it's like, for example, I have, uh, for example, deodorant that I really like. Yeah. It works for me. And I have brand loyalty. So I have a high reluctance in ever trying something else because it does exactly what I needed to do. Well, the same thing applies to our, to our gardening, to our compost making, to how we treat our pastures. I'm having to learn all these different ways of adapting. And then when you take somebody like, let's say Greg Judy, you read his books. They're fantastic. He drops tons of information out there. Nothing is proprietary. And then when you go check on him to what he's doing now, it's something totally different than what he wrote about in the book. Yep. Every single one of those methods works, but you find out that with the benefit of finding out new information, that man is so innovative and he's not so set in his ways that he's not willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And he's willing to try things. I mean, same thing with Joel Salatin. He's willing to try new things too. You just have to have done, have done his system for what was it a year? Yeah. Before you can offer suggestions, which is only reasonable. Yeah. Which is only reasonable, but we're finding ourselves like, for example, my understanding of nitrogen and all these other things I'm having, I am kicking and scratching at my own dogma because of something I think I know, I thought I know. And now I'm being presented evidence and your mom, especially with things that are really, really, I'm finding. Okay. For example, everybody, you okay. In the academic world, when it comes to soil sciences and stuff like that, NPK is pretty much all they're ever going to tell you in a university setting. Well, we're finding out and discovering and learning, and we've known many much of this for the longest time, that right. we know we we got to have life in that soil. It's not just NPK. Yeah. Um, but the full extent and what we are learning, and especially your mom right now, 
is universe shattering, at least for us. Yeah. And my understanding of nitrogen, I'm still seeing the evidence of what I think it is. Folks, I know this seems a little bit cryptic because we have things that we're going to bring out in the future, but we haven't fully tested them yet. But if they are correct, and they do seem to be, then it's going to change the entire paradigm of what we've been teaching, even though what we've been teaching is absolutely correct and it absolutely works, but there may be an even better improvement upon what we already know. It's like the multiple choice question where there's two right answers, but one is like more correct. Yeah. Or works a little bit better. Yeah. So ask yourself, I mean, are, are there things in your own world like, okay, for example, orcharding. Man, there is a whole lot of dogma out there when a person has an orchard and they put it together and they're thinking, okay, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. I'm going to replicate it just like I saw down at the orchard where I go. I've been picking, picking my apples for the last 20 years. Yeah. And you see how that's set up. But here's the things you don't see in a system like that is there are tons of inputs they have got to account for when you do a monocrop because in no way does it replicate nature. So to do, to switch, and Subkoviak kind of talked about that transition he had to make. And I'm talking oh, yeah. about Stefan Subkoviak. Well, where, he started with an orchard, like an existing orchard. Exactly. And he had to make massive changes in his own brain and even rip down a fair piece of the orchard. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, he realizes now that he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Now, there are other methods that he uses in terms of like his use of plastic and some of the others that we don't subscribe to, but you know, it still works within his system. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to cut and paste some of these things. But also the dogma within an orchard system where if you, people come out there this is one of the biggest things I used to see, especially when I used to do a lot of consultations in Texas, where they put a tree out there, it's all by itself, and then they'd take another one, space it usually way too far away, mm -hmm. and uh, they put another tree, and then another one, so on and so forth. No nitrogen fixtures in there. Now, this dogma has been created in their mind because the only thing they know about an orchard is what they've seen or what they've seen online. But then when you start saying permaculture orchard, well, that's a very different thing, as you well know. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's not going to be that. We're not going to think about all productive trees. We're going to be thinking about how do we put in nitrogen fixtures, which are going to do enormous things in so many different ways in terms of attracting the beneficial bugs you need. Also taking that atmospheric nitrogen, putting it down in the soil to the benefit of those productive trees. And that I'm just giving you one thing, but this is a dogma that so many people are tied to and trying to get them, that was one of the biggest things I had a problem for them understanding. It was like, why would I put a black locust in here? Yeah. And then yeah. I would explain it to them and say, okay, well, here's what it does. It takes that atmospheric nitrogen, basically everything I just said. And they would still look at me as if, well, I can't eat that. I'm like, no, but you can use it for tree hay. You can use it for firewood. Well, I live in Texas. I don't need firewood. You're missing yeah, the point. Yeah, you do. Yes, yes, <laughs> you do. There are times you do. Um but the point being is that they are so tied up in this dogma that the notion of introducing trees or shrubs or vines or anything within that system that they can't actually eat is just, it, it, they just can't get their brains to compute because they are so riddled with this dogma of this is the way I've always seen it done. This is the way it has to be. Yeah. So, I mean, even like within your, some of your animal systems, like raising chickens, one of the big things that you and I have struggled with with a lot of people is the notion of letting your chickens not just go anywhere they want to that and giving them access to the compost. Like I had one yeah. lady, I had one lady argue with me at the self-reliance festival that having never done 
the chicken tractor on steroids, she was arguing with me, um, saying that like the, the chickens aren't getting enough protein from the compost. It's just her dogma that is arguing with me, not like her personal experience. Right. Have you tried this? <laughs> and I ended up saying, if, have you done the chicken tractor on steroids? She or, said, no. Okay. And I said, then you can't argue. Do you think every video we put out about it is a manufactured lie? I mean, it, <laughs> that's it, a lot of effort, y'all. Right. I mean, it's it, it just gets insulting to a certain point. Like, okay, I, I, we're not fudging anything. If anything, we tell you all the mistakes we make. Yeah. And we don't hold anything back because that's not doing anybody any good. And we're definitely not perfect. And we're going to get, we're going to miss some things. But in terms of dogma, people seen like in a TV setting, for as far back as I can remember, the chickens are everywhere. Yep. They're on the porch. They're on here. They're there. And you got to ask yourself, okay, is that a good way to manage your birds? Well, what would you say? Absolutely not. There, it's You need to direct their efforts. Their bird, like bird brain, that term is real. Like they're going to scatter all over the place. They might follow the rooster around and he's just following food. So you need to direct their efforts. If you want them to eat, scratch, forage, all that stuff in like specific areas, then you need to put a fence around them. Now, now that mostly applies on a very on a small homestead level. When you're dealing with somebody like Joel Salatin yeah. or somebody like that, where you know the radius in which a chicken will travel, then it probably makes really good sense in an area like that when you're dealing with hundreds of acres and stuff like that. You don't necessarily need a net. Well, when I was there, he had a net. Not for his layers. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did? Yeah. When I was there, he had a net up. Well, he didn't used to because he knew the radius in which he'd take his Eggmobile, drop it off somewhere, and then, you know, later on, you know, yeah. pick it up and it goes somewhere else. Well, that's exactly what we're getting back, getting at, is that everybody has this idealistic notion of how their chickens should be, and the whole notion of managing managing them within a net seems a little bit outside. And plus, you're going to have a lot less predation. You know, oh, you're yeah. not going to have you know, animals coming up out of the woods, foxes and whatever else, snatching them up. Dogs, like neighbors, feral dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah. We lost more to feral dogs than anybody. And that's yeah. with a net. Yeah. I mean, with a net and I mean, man, we could tell y'all stories, but the, the point of it being y'all in every single aspect of how you farm. And I would dare say, because I'm not, I mean, this is, we're about permaculture preparedness and practical living. This applies to all of that. I mean, I could do an entire monologue right now for at least an hour because of my, you know, experience in the preparedness world of how many different times dogma gets in the way of somebody's preparedness methods and they have no desire to even learn more. This is a big problem that we, this, this knows everybody's number. I think dogma is most prevalent in the prepper community. You yeah. get some dogmatic yeah. people who just like, like, even if they convince you of something, it's still not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't. You see, it, you see it pretty bad there, no doubt. And then you have everybody with their pet issues. But, y'all, look, I know we've thrown this word dogma around so many different times, but I would also, because in the future, we have medical dogma as well. Yeah, We have a lot of that going on. And this interview we're going to have with Christopher Key is probably going to challenge some of that. Now, is he right on everything? I don't know, but all I know... What I do know, well, especially toward the end of that, I don't want to tell everybody what it's all about. Yeah. There's some of this stuff that he gets into the end of it. He's like, you can spend your money with me, but hey, here's a simple solution that many people are going to find. Disgusting. Yeah, you may. But at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'll put it this way. 
MD doesn't stand for medical deity. And I've been done, I've seen, how do I say this? I'm sure there's some good MDs out there. But when it, oh yeah, okay, if I got a broken arm or a bullet wound, I'll go to an MD. But for chronic issues, I'm going to go see a naturopath. Yeah. And because I want to get to the root of what is causing this problem. Why do you have that high blood pressure? Well, it's our dogma and the things, and we get into this a little bit with Christopher Key, it's his dogma to a certain extent that prevents us from saying, okay, are there natural remedies? You know, how do people heal themselves before the Flexner report came out, which was funded by the Rockefellers, of course, that basically said MDs were the only way to go. Okay, we're going to ask you, even in my own religious worldview, now I make no bones about the fact that I'm a blood-bought soldier of Christ. And I've learned more over the last decade concerning things that I wasn't taught. And we talked briefly about it with Joel concerning Genesis 6. It was always glossed over and like nobody ever talked about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is religious dogma. Do I want to examine this for myself? Or do I want to listen to somebody who's standing at the end of this pulpit who I bring it up to and they just dismiss it? Uh, That's not a good answer for me. Yeah, I want to find out for myself what this means. All right, y'all, consider the dogma in your life and how you can overcome a lot of this stuff. All right. All right. So back into the Q&A thing, y'all. Right off the bat, we got a call in, son. Do you want to get to that one first? Yep. What's up, Billy and William, my pimps? <laughs> I'm Ron Bolton. I'm an IBEW electrician also. Uh, I've listened to every podcast y'all put out. Watched almost all the videos, and I just want to give you my highest praises. Um, I listen to three podcasts, maybe, and even my kids get to listen to y'all's podcasts on count profanity and stuff on other podcasts. I want to tell y'all what a great job y'all are doing. I've got a question for y'all um, concerning electric netting. Um I was just wondering if there's a general purpose electric netting that might fit more than one species of animal or that I could use on, you know, goats, chickens, pigs, sheep, all the above. Um, I just hate to buy, you know, four or five different types of electric netting when I can buy one to use for everything. If y'all could help me out, I appreciate it. Um, like I said, I want y'all to know what a great job y'all are doing. Thank you for everything you do. God bless you. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. All right. Thank you, awesome. brother Ron. Yeah. IBW electrician, just like yours truly. Yeah, I'm out of 124, Ron. You got to tell me what local you're out of. Um, yeah, as far as netting goes. For, I would go with the chicken netting. I was going to say the very same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I because mean, every, you can do everything, and we have done yeah, we everything. Have. With, we have. <laughs> Ron, that's a great question because, honestly, these days, I mean, you being an IBEW brother, you know what it's like to be unemployed for long periods of time and not have <laughs> any place to go. Um, 
So a lot of us have more time or yeah, we have more time than money these days, but if you need one net that can handle them all, it's like that Lord of the Rings thing, man. If you got one ring to rule them all, it's the poultry netting. The premier one poultry netting with the double spikes on the bottom. Yeah. Get those double spikes. Step in spikes. Yeah. Don't get, don't get the single spike. Yeah. Now I did have a, that sparked a question for me. So if you're running pigs on there, you obviously need a priority on the lower wires to be hot. Is there a way to put a priority on that? Well, Ron and anybody else that it might apply to, um, you could do the salatin thing. You don't need a pig netting for that. All you need is a single strand, sometimes a double. Yeah. One six inches off the ground and the other about, 18. I don't know, 18. Yeah. yeah, about 18 inches up. So you could run two hot wires and it could be like a number, I mean, it could be a number 14. You don't even need nothing that robust. No. Because once you get them pigs trained to it, believe me, they hit that thing. Them wet noses touch that and we got that thing cranked up. They're, yeah. getting, they're getting hit with 10,000. You just need to make sure you have something solid behind that net for the first time whenever they hit it. So they know that they can't just hit it and charge forward. They have to hit it and back up. Yeah, pigs are the only animals that would ever do that. Your natural recourse is to recoil when you get hit by something. But pigs are wired different. Until they're trained, they hit something hot, they're going to run right through it. So you got to train them early on. So what we do is put that netting up against like some plywood and we put them in a small area. Yeah. They hit that thing. It takes a day or two. I think we've gone as long as a week, a time or two. I don't yeah, think we've but gone, the, but, but I don't, don't think take, the point was for training. I think they were, it was just cold out in their piglets. Yeah. Yeah. That I think you're right there. But also like William said, I mean, no matter what, if you get that poultry netting, they got that 164 foot foot fence premier one. We have done everything in those things. Yeah, we have. Now there's a double edged sword too, because because there's so much more wire in there, there's more chances of that thing shorting out on the ground. So it's going to take, you're going to need a bigger charger a lot of times when you're using that. But yeah, that's the one net mm-hmm. that is indispensable in my view. We don't, you don't even need nothing else. You could run, you could run your sheep on that thing. You could run your chickens, your all chickens, your poultry. I mean, goats. You, I mean, it don't matter. Maybe you even it. rabbits. I don't know if I'd trust it on that. I don't know. I mean, you better have it. Nah, well, they have small. The reason I'm saying rabbits is because they have those small holes in the bottom. Well, I'm glad he brought that up because that's yeah. something we haven't talked about in a long, long time. That one net does everything. And y'all, the the call in number is eight two eight three eight zero forty four nineteen eight two eight three eight zero forty four nineteen. All right, I got one from Stephen here. He says I feed my twelve hens the recommended quarter pound of layer feed per day. I feed them uh, half of that in the morning. I'll just cut to it. He's wondering how does he go back to. Um, you know, he's doing food scraps and stuff like that. He's wondering, how does he cut back from commercial feed to 50, 25, with the goal of eventually getting them almost free? Look, um, I'll put it this way, Stephen. We've done so many experiments on this, and we've done it within the chicken tractor on steroids. There have been times where we literally took them cold turkey. Now, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to tell anybody else to do it, but we, I've done it so many times yeah. uh, where we've taken birds cold turkey from, let's say, you know, giving them commercial feed to food scraps and the transition every single time has been it, you know, a day or two, they're like, man, okay. Yeah. Tastes great, but less filling dude. Where's the stuff I'm used to. And then once you get them on those food scraps, they don't even want to go back to the other stuff. If it's specifically chickens, try to get them on rice. That's because it looks like they're pelletized feed and stuff. It looks like maggots. Just uh, well, that was your, yeah, that was your discovery. That'll help make the transition over. But also the reason I think the only reason we haven't done cold turkey recently, um, 
was just because like on the last chicken tractor on steroids that last run through uh we just needed to use up the chick food that we had yeah we yeah that was the only reason but i mean your discovery and folks i got to point this out william's discovery was when we did a batch of meat birds we were like okay they're not really taken to this chicken tractor on steroids what's going on and we were doing it we try to get them we're trying to push this thing to the limits and he figured out that after three weeks if we started out with just introducing them to rice within that system it looks like a maggot and so they went right after it what we were breed giving, were we doing those were the store-bought um red the red ones yeah the not red rhode ones. island not they ginger, were from ginger hatchery. broilers is that what they were ginger broilers no yeah. they weren't ginger no they were some they were red there. yeah they were some red variety but freedom rangers out, yeah yep that's exactly okay. what it was so we got those and then he figured out that if we throw rice out there along with their chick feed that the transition happened within about three weeks, which is awesome because, and then by week four, they were totally, um, if I remember correctly, they were, we didn't even need the chick rations anymore or no. yeah. So by week four, they were fully adapted into it. So now you're saving a pile of money if you can give them. And we've done it over and over and over again, raised them completely on food scraps. And we're down there. Eating. In fact, I just tore up one of them chickens your mom made last night. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what you meant. Yeah. I was like, dang, Dad. Yeah, well, that was a ginger broiler. That was one of the ginger broilers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I mean, we cooked it first. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't need no raw birds on this homestead. But yeah, it, it can happen seamlessly. It really can. I got one from Eric Sider on the Fountain app. I'm all about paying for expertise, but you need to be ready to put the advice into action. I've made the mistake of paying for training in the past that I wasn't ready to utilize and basically wasted my money. I start all my consultations with a 30-minute video chat. This is often enough to answer most questions and set you up for success or at least a plan of attack. It's also to ensure that we are a good fit for each other to continue further consultation or creating a design. Hashtag gratitude for pimps. Bam, gratitude for Eric. Yeah. Yeah, we, we learned so much from him, and we still do, and he's so meticulous. And he's working on our uh, banner and stuff. Yeah, for the PimpCast YouTube channel. Yeah, the, so Eric's also a graphic designer, and he's going to be handling some of that work for us. And uh, look, y'all, if you need consultations in anything, we talked about it last last week, I believe. Yeah. Um, he's the one you want to hit up, y'all. Um, we're going to be, William and I are going to be doing a consultation, and we'll talk about after the fact. It's going to be coming up pretty soon. But um, Eric is definitely one you want to hit up. He is thorough. He's wicked smart, and you're going to be glad. He's just a fantastic Moral man. All right, I've got one from Alan. Check this one out, son. He said, if your chicken's got a limping, better do a little pimping. <laughs> I have an ankle that was smashed in a car wreck 13 years ago doing a lot of leg press. Really, Anyway, he bought some Comfrey Sav and has been using every night two mornings in the stiff, and the stiffness has gone away and continues to improve. And unfortunately, he just got laid off of his job. So, uh, yeah, hang in there, Alan. Well, another testament to that Comfrey Sav is I jammed my finger in practice, uh, in jujitsu practice, uh, was it like last week or so? I've been putting that comfrey salve on it, and it it does not. I mean, it hurts when I don't put the comfrey salve on it. So wow, you yeah. got anything there? I got one from J fifteen two thirty. Awesome show. This is in reference to the Mount Graham one with uh, Joel Thomas. Awesome show. All caps. Keep doing more like this. It was great from the beginning, and just kept getting better. Well, man, I, I thought so too. We had a couple of people that didn't quite agree, but that's okay. I mean, this is a whole purpose of doing these outside the box shows. And like I said, typically the Monday and Thursday shows are going to be what we got right here. 
but I'm going to start trying to kick in other viewpoints, interviews, if you will, regarding some things that I think are really going to help y'all out there. And we're going to do more of that. Some of it might border into the esoteric. I wouldn't mind getting in L.A. Marzulli, yeah. especially with this whole UFO thing going on, to get his take on it because he might absolutely shock you when you hear what that good man has to say. This one's also this is from R.C. Uh, talking about the thing with Joel. It's it's long, so I'm not I can't fully get into it, but it says just finished listening to the Pimpcast for the third time. Can't get enough. Please have Joel back on again soon. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, um, basically saying he's listening to Randall Car- Carlson, Graham, Ham- Graham Hancock. Uh, you might want to also check out L.A. Marzulli, Steve Quayle. I mean, there's things I agree with and disagree with with all of these people. Um, but it's kind of cool when you can get, I just think it's just interesting, even if you don't buy any of it, yeah. to at least hear the theory. Yeah, it's still interesting. <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, I'm going to govern. I'm going to govern. And this isn't dogma. It's because I have examined it. And the one thing I'm 100% sure of in this world, despite everything going on, is Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that he is exactly who he said he was. And that is not because that's not generally accepted dogma. That is my examination, looking into it the way Thomas Jefferson said one ought to. Had my issues with Jefferson as well. But the point being is that I have examined it. And this is what I've come, these are the conclusions after a great deal of study of what I've arrived at. So if what I'm hearing, I look at it and I say, okay, well, how does this overlay with the Bible? Does it make sense? And in so many different ways, I'm finding out that the dogma I was programmed with all of my life, nearly just about every bit of it was wrong. Yep. The more I examine. So, yep. yeah, it they, seems like religious dogma and medical dogma are the ones that get people the heated hardest, the most. The hardest to overcome. And that's certainly in my life. Yeah. I got one from B. Lynn. Uh, quite a few people took it and did not want to. Um, I'm guessing that referring to the fake injection, um, did not want to, but we're told they would be fired if they didn't, especially people in healthcare. We all have to eat. We all have to eat. Now, if they said, take the mark of the beast, that is a completely different story. Hopefully they will be able to remove it. I don't, I don't disagree, man. There's a yeah. lot of good people that took that thing because they thought it was the right thing to do. But also don't make the mistake of thinking that they're going to ma- like market the mark as the mark of the beast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point too. They're not but- going to come out here and say, Hey, this is exactly what this is. Come well, take it. Well, this is part of what burns me up about what's going on, where I've heard some people say, well, they took the mug to get, they took that shot. No, man, that is not the way we ought to think as humans, certainly not as Christians. It's like, okay, this is part of the reason I've wanted to bring on Christopher Key. Part of the reason I've talked about that cardio miracle. Yeah. This is part of the reason because I'm like, okay, if there are, and now Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and a number of others are saying, now it looks like we have people emerging right now that have ways to chelate this stuff out of you if you do have buyer's remorse. And the second I know about it, I guarantee y'all, I will be on this show telling you about it. Yeah, I know a lot of people are in a bind. They're like, dude, I got to do this. I remember going to church with these folks that took it so they could adopt this child. And, you know, I know that people had the greatest intentions. And frankly, a lot of us have been hoodwinked. I've certainly been hoodwinked. Even did a video not long ago about how I was hoodwinked. <laughs> And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to look and if there's it, solutions out there, you better believe I'm going to be telling everybody and I'm not going to be coming down on somebody because they thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. And guys, that's, that's really important right now is not coming down on the people who did get it, especially when they just didn't know, like, keep in mind, it's us versus them, not us versus us. 
Like the, keep you like might you, wanna, yeah. I want to clarify yeah. that. Like them are not the people that got the injection. Them are the ones that made it and pushed it. The powers that shouldn't be. Yeah. So like if we're just arguing amongst ourselves, then we're not paying attention to what actually is going on. This one here from Jonathan says, I got some comfort from you guys last summer and put them aside and promptly forgot about it. It happens to the best of us. He was wondering, do you think they're still viable? Well, yeah, sometimes they are. I'd give it a shot. And I told him, yeah, let me know how that works out. Um, You know, it happens. And so I reached out to him to tell him what to do. Um, And then, okay, so check this one out. We got one from John. Uh, Let me start by saying how blessed I am to have found your podcast and YouTube channel. John, I'm blessed that you're writing to me. And thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your godly perspective on current events of permaculture. I appreciate your Christ center and resistance to any fear mongering. Um, getting down to why I write, wrote to you. Um, I'll just listen to the latest. My family thinks I'm crazy podcast with Bet, Brett Sabrell or Sabrell. I can never pronounce his name right. Or Bart Sabrell. His guests can be hit and miss. Okay. I'm going to get down to it. If you know anything about Bart, um, he says, I might want to pass this on to Joel. Um, so Bart, is one of those guys, man. If I remember right, that's the same dude that got punched in the face by uh, Buzz Aldrin. Oh, that's the guy? I think so. I'm pretty sure that's him. Oh, man. And he basically goes up to these NASA uh, guys that went on the moon, and he's made some pretty compelling cases that they never went there. And I've seen some of his just kind of poking through. I've seen a documentary or two with this guy. And uh, I got to say, he's got some interesting, he can be a little, he, he comes off yeah. a little obnoxious sometimes. I, I almost understand Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, in that I know, I know. <laughs> I'm I'm like, gonna... He's asking the right questions, but I understand Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just can't approach these guys this way, but yeah, he does have some interesting stuff. I mean, as far as the moon landings and stuff like that, um, you know, maybe we'll have a show on that in the future too, because I definitely have strong <laughs> opinions uh, both ways on that. We're gonna get some emails on that. Well, no, what happened in the Smithsonian is when I was going. Don't, oh, don't tell them. Don't tell them. We'll save that for another time. Or we went to the Smithsonian with somebody, and you talk about embarrassing. Embarrassing. And remember, my family, we were up in that Smithsonian, and it was absolutely <laughs> embarrassing. Even though he was right, it was embarrassing. <laughs> But I'm sure he wasn't the first one to go tripping in that aerospace museum in the Smithsonian. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so um, here we go. Um, This one's, I don't know. Oh, Jason, yeah. Not sure if you guys know this, but the CEO of Moderna admits on camera during his last gathering at Davos that they made 100,000 doses of the jab in 2019 and knew the pandemic was coming in 2020. And he even has um, has a video here. I haven't had a chance yet to look at it. But it doesn't shock me. I mean, that's exactly why we're here right now. Yeah. Uh, this one here, um, question for the pimp cast. Can I start a food forest in or-, or slash orchard in zone five? You can start it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You, there's, a, there's a food forest not too far from the Dead Sea right now. <laughs> yeah, but check this out, man. At the end of this, this is from Kelly from Honey Drop, Hun- Drop of Honey's Farms. I don't know what they sell, but I'd buy it. Just drop of name. honey. Yeah, drop of honey farms. Yeah. They could sell makeup and I'd buy it. Man, I'm telling you what, you better not be wearing it. For, no, but I'll probably taste it to see if it tastes good. <laughs> honey, put this on. Play that Marvin Gaye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Check this out. She says, last year my husband was moving the chicken tractor. Now, this is incredible. But this also reminds me of that one of the dog. Check this out. She says, last year my husband was moving the chicken tractor and one of the young pullets got caught and broke its leg. The actual drumstick bone. It Dang. was it was broken clean through. I made a comfrey poultice and wrapped it and 
re- uh, poultice and put it on once or twice a day for two weeks. I almost splinted the leg with sticks. Sounds like your mom knows her. Yeah. She was going to splint it with uh, sticks and Q-tips, wrapped it up in a cut T-shirt and tape. I read on forums that a drumstick break could not be healed on a chicken. Well, it did. Well, I did it with Comfrey. I thought he would walk with a limp, but he healed 100% in about four <laughs> weeks. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you all for the great... I mean, they call that stuff nip bone for a reason, but man, this but, is twice now. Somebody, the one lady sent pictures of her dog that had a broken leg, showed it with a broken leg, put comfrey poultice on it, and then now it's off and running, man. That's some of y'all's relationships with the with the chickens, though, just cracks me up. I have never been that attached to a chicken, man. But I, <laughs> hey, I gotta like if it breaks a leg, it's time to just dinner. <laughs> no, but she's got me thinking now, man. I. I we're so busy that I don't necessarily have, I mean, some people have time to put into something like that. Trying to go to the freezer and put the pig back together. Man. Is that what you're trying to do? (laughs) Man, I don't think it's working on bullet wounds, man. (laughs) Maybe that's why Frankenstein was green. Yeah. Covered in comfrey. But I'll tell you what, man, um, that, that's just blowing my mind, man. What people are telling me, I know it's called knit bone for a reason, Yeah. but my goodness, man. I mean, that's like a superpower almost. Yeah, I mean, it really is, man. I mean, there's nothing. We go on about Comfrey and our, we want to put ourselves out of business. We really do. I want Comfrey to be so ubiquitous that nobody can even sell it if they tried. I'm even, son, in fact, I'm going to do. Like eggs were not too long ago. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I, I kind of made up my mind with all the cuttings we can't, that we don't actually sell. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start guerrilla gardening that stuff alongside highways and stuff. That's good, yeah. Well, yeah, let's exactly do that. exactly what let's, I'm going to start doing. We could hit up every stop sign. Yeah. Do a little, uh, what's it called, like a civic guild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna Gorilla Garden Comfrey everywhere I possibly can with all the stuff we can't sell. It's still viable. It's just small, and when people see it in the mail, they're thinking, man, nah. Yeah, why'd you send me whiskers? Yeah, but we're going to take all that stuff. I, I had an idea. Every single place I, I can, I'm going to plant Comfrey. Yeah, let's do it. With all those cuttings, I can't... And we got, I mean, thousands and thousands of them that we don't sell. And uh, that's exactly what... I think stop sign. I think every... You kind of got me thinking of a couple of good ideas there. All right, this one's from Ryan. Hey, guys, yesterday I was um, pressing... Oh, okay. Um, I guess it's more of a thanks. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for reaching out to us. I was going to read it here, but um, we're kind of coming down to the end of this thing. And in fact... Oh, one more thing. So you're going to have to link this one here. Ridge Ranger, uh, Ben, the Ridge Ranger himself, has property up there in McDowell, and that's in, I'm sorry, in Highland County, Virginia, and it's 17 and a half acres, 125,000, and it's like right up against some um, federal land. Yeah, what is the historic, isn't there like a historic element to yeah, it? Isn't it by some battlefields? Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of history up there in that area. And as I understand it, it's not far from Joel. Uh, Salatin. Oh yeah. So I'm going to go ahead. I mean, it's 17 acres for 125,500 right there in Virginia. And, uh, this has got to be some, I don't know what it looks like, but my goodness, where it is, is probably, I thought it'd be a lot more expensive than that. Hmm. So if anybody's interested, go check him out. Also, there was, um, Aaron T. Scott, she has a place down there in Arkansas, ready-made, turnkey, ready to rock and roll. She's selling it? Yeah, she's selling that place, and uh, she's looking to go some places. uh, Probably going to be a lot closer to us, which will be cool. And um, so if if you're interested in her place in Arkansas, it's all turnkey, ready to rock and roll. Uh, Go to her YouTube channel. You'll find that information. And this one here, we're going to link to the podcast. Yep. Um, So we'll go ahead and make sure you have that. The one for Ridge Ranger. 
Yep. Okay. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for checking us out. Until next time, stay alert. Stay alive. Catches the worm.